0: Hey, uh, turn your Bibles, 1 Chronicles is where we're going to go, 1 Chronicles, and I started a series last week called Attention Getters. Can you say attention getters? -getters. Yeah, it was a series about how to get God's attention when you need His blessing in your life, how to get God's attention when you want to do something big with your life. Now, remember last week we talked about Ananias. Ananias, the New Testament, he got God's attention because he was willing to say yes to what God asked him to do. How many of you can say yes or you can say no? Ananias, one of the most crucial people in the Scripture because he literally was used of God to, to transition Saul of Tarsus to Paul the Apostle. Well, we talked about getting God's attention by saying yes. You remember, yes to God's commandments, the Bible. Yes to our redeemed conscience. And also, yes to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning we're going to talk about a guy in the Old Testament, locked away in the genealogies. His name was Jabez. Now, this man, Jabez, the Bible said that God had blessed him in a tremendous fashion. So we're going to ask the question this morning, how did Jabez get God's attention for blessing? Because everybody in this room longs to live the blessed life. The question is, is there a key we can unlock from his life today? In case you're wondering, this is not a new fashion trend I'm starting. This is not jewelry. I've entitled the morning's message uh, Anchors Away. And uh, I think you'll pick it up in just a second. First Chronicles chapter four. First Chronicles chapter four, hidden in the genealogies, is a guy named Jabez. And verse 9 tells us this. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. In other words, he's a family man, but yet somehow he got more respect than the rest of his brothers. Somehow his life found greater significance. There was something about this man that gave him honor in the world around him. And perhaps it's locked up uh, in the following verses and thoughts. And this is interesting. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bore him in pain. I gave birth to him in pain. Now, it could have been a breech birth. She could have had blood pressure issues, diabetic issues. Uh, we don't know. Cord could have been wrapped. We, just, we have no idea what it was. But somehow, this birth was pretty difficult, and there, and, and, and there were no epidurals. You know, <laughs> she just had to hang in there. And it was so bad, she thought, I'm naming this kid Pain." That's what she did. Now, verse 10, though, is, is, goes in a totally different direction. Jabez called upon the God of Israel. And he prayed this way. He said, Oh, that you would bless me, that you would enlarge my border, that your hand might be with me, and that you would keep me from harm, so I might not bring... Yeah, so I might not bring me pain, and God granted what he asked. Now, once again, somehow he got God's attention. This guy named Payne, and he didn't ask god notice he didn't ask god for a uh, for uh... A, a, a ferrari camel okay he didn't ask god for a five thousand square foot tent in the wilderness he just kinda looked up to heaven and said god would you make my life count for something Would you bless me? And it's not just a materialistic give me prayer, but it's a way of saying, God, my life is going to be in your hands. I want to be an honorable man. I want my life to make a difference. I want you to provide for me. And I want you to keep this evil thing called pain from my life because I want to be a blessing. And lo and behold, God did it. Now let's ask the question. Again, we're we're asking the question, how do we get God's attention? Because every one of us have prayed for God's blessing. People across the planet pray for it all the time, but oftentimes many people or most people don't find the blessed life. Many people somehow stay anchored to their past and they don't and they're not able to go forwards. Now, Jabez's name, it literally means he will cause pain. Now think about this. This guy Jabez, he's locked away in the genealogies, he's from the family line of Judah. And uh, I hope you've been reading through the book of Chronicles. We go read a couple chapters in the Bible a day. We've got a Bible guide on the phone app or the web page, or you can pick up a hard copy out front. I read it every day, and I must say, those first seven or eight chapters of Chronicles are some of the most boring books in the Bible. Come on, you can tell the truth in church. Because pretty much all it says is so-and-so beget so-and-so and so-and-so begat so and so and so and so begat so and so 500 names over a thousand, several thousand years, beginning with Adam, all the way up to the end of the exile. And genealogies were important for the nation of Israel because that gave them an identity, not just with God's chosen people but a tribal identity which would determine what their role in among God's people was. So big, big deal for them, not much for us. And I almost called Dusty, I guess I'm being honest, and said, next time we do the Bible, God, let's kind of omit those, <laughs> those seven chapters. But I ran across Jabez and repented. What I do is I scan the genealogy, I get out the meat of it, and then I go read an extra chapter of Proverbs, is what I do, by the way. But anyway, it got my attention again. Now, here's this guy, stuck in these genealogies, but something about his life was blessed. Now, Jewish writers tell us that Jabez was an eminent scholar in the Jewish law. In other words, he was like a lawyer, but specializing in the law of the Old Testament. He had so many scribes or assistants associated with him that they literally named a town after him. So this is a guy that made something of his life, but yet he started out in life with a name called pain. Remember though, Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue? dad was going to make his kid tough, you know, so he named him Sue. And every time he'd go somewhere and introduce himself, people would laugh. He'd lock the door and beat him up. And he said, hey, look, when I have a kid, I'm going to name him John, Bob, uh, Tom, anything but Sue. How many know your name, it, 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 it affects you. Your name determines how you think about yourself. So every time Jabez, his mother, would call him to breakfast, Jabez, come and eat. It's like saying, you that will cause pain, come eat. Anybody ever called stupid when you're growing up? More than once. And it's almost an identity that can lay hold of us. It's a box that we get in that can be very, very destructive in our life. But somehow, Jabez overcame his pain and his life became a contradiction. His life became a contradiction because here's a guy that was named pain, ended up blessed. Here's a guy that started out life by looking at a painful past and broke away because he was able to look at God to determine his future, listen now, and not his past. And this is the message this morning that he was able to overcome his name and his family problems by turning to God. Now let me contrast something. Chapter 7, verse 23. Have you ever heard of a guy named Bariah? See your hand. Oh, one person has. I didn't have a clue who this was, but I caught my attention to this. After Ephraim, verse 23, slept with his wife, she became pregnant, gave birth to a son. Ephraim named him Bariah because of the tragedy... His family had suffered. Now listen to this. Bariah means tragedy. Jabez meant pain. Bariah meant tragedy. And if you read a couple of verses prior to that, you would see that Bariah's two older brothers were murdered by an invading tribe, and they're dead, and now he, the last son, is born, and we name you tragedy. We name you pain. We name you Sue. We name you tragedy. And that's your identity. And if you look at a family tree, what you see is, is Ephraim's family tree. You see Bariah, and there's nothing under it. There's nobody else there. There's no mention of, of, of a family. There's no mention of, of what he did with his life. There's no mention of anything having to do with success. The Bible is silent when it comes to Bariah. Now, how many know when the Bible is silent, we have to be careful as we speculate. But as we look for biblical principles that could well hold true, that's one that I'll suggest to you this morning. What was the difference? Why was Jabez, named pain, able to go on and live the blessed life, but Bariah, from what history tells us, we know nothing. It seems like tragedy started his life, and tragedy defined him, and his life amounted to nothing. Why is that? Is it just possible that the way they dealt with their past, is it just possible that maybe as we see this today, that some people live each day so conscious of a painful past that they can't go forwards, and though they may even believe in God, they have not looked to God like Jabez did because their life is chained to a painful past. I'll suggest to you this is something all of us can relate to. It may have roots in, in for example, maybe you're a, a Native American and maybe you, 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 you know the stories of the Trail of Tears and the, and the horrible tragedy that befell the, the Indian people, the Native Americans. Uh, maybe you're here and you were molested as a child. Maybe you don't know who your father is. There's things that happen in life that define who we are today. I know children whose personalities have changed in school because of a teacher that in trying to control them, they shut them down and they crush their spirit. Things happen in life. I can look back. I've struggled with rejection all my life. And I can look back at a key person in my life of what they said to me of something that made a mark at a vulnerable time in my life, and it became an anchor that if I'm not careful when I meet you in the hallway or something happens in our relationship, I can look at it this way and interpret it through the pain of the past. So Jabez had an ability to look to God and let God determine his future as opposed to being defined by the past. Now let me kind of illustrate an anchor. You know, an anchor can be really good or really bad. If you're fishing for crappie, any crappie fishermen? Yeah. An anchor can be a good thing when you come on a crappie bed, right? You drop it in the water, you know where the fish are. Last summer our family took a vacation and we went to the White River. Anyone ever been on the White River? Ever in Arkansas? Two things you know about the White River. Number one, it's cold. You can't swim in it. But the second thing, it's always moving. And it's particularly moving when they're letting water out of the dam. Well, we went up, my son and I, we got a fishing guide for the first day, show us how to catch the trout. And the next day we said, okay, we're going to take the faithful Miller canoe and we're going to drive up about five miles, put it in, and we're going to fish our way down to the cabin. It's pretty cool as it was going. The problem, though, when the guide took us and he would come up on a school of fish, maybe they were around a tree stump or something in the water, he would fish through it and then turn the motor on and go back up and we'd fish it again until we caught a bunch of fish. The problem was our canoe didn't have a motor on it. So we would go through, we'd catch a couple fish, try to reel the fish in and paddle over to the bank and as hard as we could, but it didn't work. So I got this brainy idea, I'm going to get an anchor. So the next day when we catch fish, I'd throw the anchor out and sometimes it would work, but usually we're just drifting a little bit. Well, I just forgot about the anchor. It's dragging in the water and kind of slowed us down and rather than little rocks that it bounced over, it got hung on two big rocks. I want you to think about this little canoe, this water is moving pretty fast, and all of a sudden, er, we're hung up on these big rocks. Now, if you know me, my anchor was important because I didn't want to buy a new one, okay? (laughs) And I had about 15 foot of rope, and I pulled on that rope, trying to change the angle from this to that, thinking I could pull it up, but I couldn't do it. And I mean, I got my hands down in the water, and the canoe is this far from water coming over the edge. And after about the third time, I looked over at my son. He's got all the fishing poles wrapped in his hand like he's got the tackle box, knowing that dad is about to get him wet. <laughs> and finally, after the third time, he says, you're either going to have to let that anchor go, or we're going to get wet. Now, I'm going to suggest to you, friends, the pain of the past will either define you and hold you back at that spot in life, or you can make a choice to let God determine your future. And that is the message of Jabez, is my future is not determined by my past. Come on, when my eyes are on God. Give God a big hand this morning. Let's get a little deeper with this. Genesis chapter 3, where does pain come from? If pain is what we're talking about, everybody's got some of it in their life. Let me tell you, because it's very important that we think biblically. When we evaluate life, how many know the Bible always speaks to it? It's amazing that a book that was written thousands of years ago can speak to every issue that you have in life today. Whether you're a CEO running the largest company in America or whether you're a kid in grade school, the Bible speaks to us. Well, Genesis 3, Genesis, the book of beginnings, the book of first mention, the first time pain is mentioned is right after Adam and Eve have sinned against God. Satan came to them, he promised them knowledge, he promised them happiness. If they would just eat of the tree and do what God said not to do, they didn't do it and all hell broke loose, if I can say that. Verse 17, God said to Adam after they sinned, because you've eaten of the tree, cursed is the ground because of you, in in pain you'll eat it all the days of your life. He looked over at Eve and said, baby, when you have kids, it's going to hurt. In pain, you're going to bring forth children. So what they thought would be good turned painful. And the next chapter of the Bible, their kids are out, Cain and Abel, all their life they played together and had fun and everything was great. But all of a sudden, one got jealous of the other. He killed his brother. And guess what came in the world? Cain suffered guilt the rest of his life and that guilt tormented him. Adam and Eve looked at their dead child and it caused pain. So can I tell you, friends, listen, there's no pain in heaven there's no there was no pain in the Garden of Eden before sin and that's God's intention for us but in this thing called life pain is a part of it even Jesus told us it would be here Jesus said in John 16 in this world you'll have and the Bible doesn't hide this one of the greats in the Bible the father of the nation of Israel Jacob they're the same person he's Jacob until he has an encounter with God he becomes Israel Today, the nation of Israel in the Middle East, named after him. He's got these 12 sons, and they populate this great nation. But his family was riddled with pain. Think about this. The man that was the father of the chosen race, the race to whom one day Christ would be born, his family was filled with pain. How about the brothers that are jealous of Joseph? Jealousy caused them to feel pain because dad didn't love them in the same way. So then they throw Joseph in a pit. And Joseph feels, and then they dip his coat in blood and they show, tell daddy, your favorite son is dead, and daddy feels almost so bad he thought he would commit suicide, almost he thought he wanted to die. And the story goes forwards, finally they end up going to Egypt one day, and then the younger brother has to go, and dad feels more, somewhere along the line, dad's wife died and he felt, but before she died, listen now. Before she died, one of his sons slept with his wife. Dad felt the pain of rejection. The woman felt the shame and her pain. And the son lost his birthright, and he felt pain. And then, to get into Egypt, there was a famine and hungry stomachs caused. So pain is a part of life. Pain is not just a part of history. Pain is a part of your life and mine. There's people in this audience this morning that have been molested, and you've never told a soul. There's people in this audience that have been likely raped or have raped someone. Somebody has a criminal record. Somebody has gone through the pain of adultery, where your former spouse said, I don't love you anymore. She's prettier. He's got more money, and you're stupid, and you'll never amount to anything. Pain. Some of us don't have a relationship with our father, and we long for it. Some of us don't even know who our father was. Some of us, our father left us as children. Some of us, we never met him because it was a one-night thing with mom. And something is missing. Some of us have gone through a divorce, and every holiday that comes up, every birthday, every time there's a baseball game, pain. pain. And it's almost like if you're not careful unconsciously, some of us, some of us our, 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 our whole identity, our race is known discrimination. Some of us have have known heartache. Some of us have gone through bankruptcy. We don't show up the same places anymore with the same old friends because we don't have money and we feel pain. Now, the question is, am I going to be with my pain like Beniah, to always look over my shoulder at my name of tragedy? Or will I somehow... Be able to make a connection with God like Jabez and make a choice that I'm not looking backwards, but I'm looking look forwards because God determines my future. Listen, believer, God determines my future, not my pain. You see, the scripture says he's the same yesterday, Jabez, today and forever. And he's a God that wants to bring you freedom and healing and deliverance. Come on, not a continual reminder of pain. See, it's the world we live in. We have a class on Wednesday nights, by the way, called Freedom that's geared just for this, just four weeks long. Join anytime, 7 o'clock, and it's all about helping people get healed and set free in life. Now, let's keep going. Um, What we do with our pain determines our future. Now, this is huge. There's two ways to deal with pain. Number one, you can blame somebody else for what's wrong in your life. It's somebody else's fault. It's my ex's fault. It's my father's fault. It's the man's fault. It's the government's fault. It's the company's fault. It's somebody else's fault. Therefore, I make excuses. And if I'm not careful, I can become a lifelong victim. And I'm concerned about America today. It's almost like our culture is a culture of victims' And the appeals of our politicians, they've got us in little boxes. And my box just happens to be a middle-aged white heterosexual. But also my family heritage from the Baltic state of Latvia, Hitler, drove my grandparents off of their land. They ended up as sharecroppers in New Orleans when they got off in the boat. And my mother was 12 years of age, and her personality was shaped by the experience not knowing English. Come on. Showing up somewhere, not having any money, not having anything. And it shapes who we are. And we can look back the rest of our life trying to get even. Trying to punish the one that hurt me. and, and, And we all know that justice is a biblical concept. Judgment Day is a day of justice. The great clarion calls of scripture is that we show justice, particularly to the poor and the needy and the helpless and the orphan and the widow. Come on. We're supposed to treat people in a just fashion. God is a just God. He gives us mercy through Christ and salvation and forgiveness. But God is a just God. And when we've been wronged or something has missed us, we want to make it right. But I'm telling you, there's a wrong way and there's a right way. There's a jabez way and there's a Beniah way. And the Jabez way will let your future be determined by God. But most of what the world offers us makes us look right back there. And that's our identity. You can deal with it that way, or you can turn your past over to God and start living with God for all your heart. The choice we make will determine if we're bitter, angry, vindictive, hateful, or if we're healed and set free. I've watched it in two family members work out in a very, very negative way because pain was so harsh. Now, let me give you some hope this morning. The Lord can heal you from your pain. Now, I want you to open your heart here because what we do with pain, we repress it, we stick it down inside of us. We don't want to deal with it. See, I talked to a a young person recently, like Linnell, one of their parents were diagnosed with a terrible disease. Some of the children would come home and hug and try. Other child wouldn't even want to talk about it, wouldn't even want to deal with it. That's the way we deal with pain. But could I give you some hope this morning? Is it just possible that the Holy Spirit could let today be a marked day of freedom in your life? Is it just possible you could get God's attention? Come on, by determining that you're going to let God determine your future and not your past? Isaiah 61, verse 1. Jesus quoted this scripture in Luke 4 when he began his public ministry. He said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. But he has sent me to... Say it with me. Bind "Bind up the brokenhearted. How many can say, I I can relate to that. God is a healing God, but he doesn't stop there. He repeats it. He said to proclaim liberty to the captives... And the opening of the prison to those that are bound. Now, is there any rec- uh, recording in scripture of Jesus going to a jail and leading an insurrection to let the prisoners go? No, not while he was on earth in a spiritual way, but here it's talking about the bondage of our soul, the bondage to sin, the bondage to the past. I'm telling you, Jesus Christ can help us be free. Somebody say, Praise the Lord. Praise the, Lord. the psalmist says, Psalm 34 18, it says, The Lord is close to the So when I'm brokenhearted, the truth is that God is close to me. He rescues those whose spirits are crushed. So I can either embrace Him and go to Him and say, Lord, I'm hurting. Lord, my mother, my father, my grandfather generations ago happened to me, but I want to thank you that you're the God who heals, that you're the God who restores, that I don't have to wear the scar of yesterday. I don't have to be Beniah. I can be Jabez. I'm telling you, when hope in God springs forth from your heart and a determination that my past will not define me, come on, my future is defined by God. Something can happen on the inside of us. Let me give you some pain medicine. How many know when you're hurting you need medicine? Well, let me give you some Bible medicine. Now, look, we're going to have an opportunity into this service for what I think could be some of the most significant prayers that have ever been prayed in this church. Because as the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about things in your life, it just could be that this may be a God moment today. And prayer has its place. Prayer is powerful. But how many know you have to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, which simply means you're not working to get to heaven, but you're applying biblical principles to life. Well, here's a way to be healed. Romans 12, verse 19. My friends, do not try to punish others if they wrong you. Is that what it says? Nope. Read it again. Do not try to punish others when they wrong you. So the presumption is, is people are going to do you dirty. People are going to take advantage of you. People are going to hurt you. But the Bible is very clear. Don't punish them. Wait for God to punish them. And when he does, don't clap your hands now, okay? Just because God finally got them. But what he's saying is, if you want to be freed from them, you've got to stop punishing them. Do a little quick survey here. How many people in the room today, if somebody messes with you, you're ready to bop them right in the nose real quick, and you're ready to do it? All right. Come on. How many here you punish in a more subtle way? You withdraw. You withhold affection. You don't call your parents. You roll over at night and wait for your spouse to talk to you. Let me see those set of hands. How many people are so confused you don't know what you are? Let me see your hand. All right. Well, somewhere in this, though, is, the, is the, 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 the need for justice. But what God is saying, you've got to stop that. If you, if you live by the chain, you'll die by the chain. What God is saying, now listen to this. You should do this, verse 20. If your enemy is hungry, kill him quickly and don't let him suffer. It's a modern translation. No, if your enemy is hungry feed him. If they're thirsty, mix strychnine (laughs) in their drink. No. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. Doing this will be like pouring burning coals, come on, that's getting you now, on their head. But it's not to singe all their hair off, it's coals of shame and conviction. But look at verse 21. Don't let evil defeat you, but you defeat evil by doing good. What does that mean? Okay, let's go back to the injustice that was, was done to you. Let's, let's go back to what happened many, many moons ago. Let's go back to something your grandma, grandmother said. And because of that, then you punish people. Your daddy hurt you, and every time you see him, you're hurting him back because you wait for him to apologize to you But it never comes. You have a a standoff going on between you. You're both hurting on the inside. But you both continue to respond in ways that produce more pain. Because both of you are hurting. And neither one of you will reach out. Come on and say, I love you. Would you forgive me? And Because neither one of you do it. The cycle just keeps going. What God is saying, break the cycle. Because every time you participate with more pain, what you do, you're cooperating with evil. And Satan, who started the pain, keeps the pain going. I'm preaching better than your amening this morning. Luke chapter 6. Now, if I could cut out a portion of the Bible, this is a portion I would cut out. That was a joke, okay? I don't, I, I'm not very funny, but that was a joke this morning. But it is something I wish were not there. The words of Jesus, I say to you, love your enemies If I'm supposed to love my enemies, how much more my family? Christ, uh, uh, brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. You know, some of the meanest people in the world are Christians. The, the reason thousands of people are out of church today because they've been hurt in the house of God. I understand. It's a job hazard did I? In my, in my career. Jesus said, I say to you, love your enemies. And then what does he say? Do good to those who hate you. Have you ever heard them say that on, on, on the evening news? No. All oh, they want to tell you to do about what the jerks have done, and then hopefully the government is going to take care of the jerks. And they're going to use your money to do that, by the way. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who are cruel to you. Could it be that this is God's way to help you take the chain off? Is it just possible that by you responding to pain and injustice, by blessing, praying, and loving, that it unshackles you? Give to them if they ask to you. If they take something, don't ask for it back. That's a toughie. How many remember anything you've ever loaned to anyone your whole life? Come on. How about people that owe you money? I can remember back to my childhood, okay? I've been I've had a problem. I would not when we would go to Memphis to the McDonald's, you know, I would uh, forget my money at home and get money from my sister because uh, you can understand, okay? I've ne- I've needed inner healing all my life. But this is pretty big. Now I'm not saying Jesus is saying be a doormat, but is it just possible that he is trying to show us some extreme responses to get our attention? To when people do us wrong. But notice what he said. Then you will have great... Is it just possible your reward could be your own freedom? Is it just possible reward is not just in heaven? And is it just possible reward is not financial? But is it just possible when you do good to people who are not good to you that you find freedom on the other side? I think it is. You'll be children of the Most High God because God is kind even to people who are ungrateful and full of sin. Show mercy just as your Father shows mercy. How many of Jesus said we could do that? We can do it. No matter how strong the anchor is, Jesus said, I can unshackle that anchor if I do good to those who hurt me. Let, let's talk about something we all understand in America today uh, racism and the injustice that's come over race since our country's founding. Think about the Trail of Tears. You ever When I when we canoe down the river at Broken Bow, there's a little sign that says Trail of Tears where Indians that were taken from their homeland on the east coast were marched across to reservations. Come on, how many know that's, 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 that's horrible? It's a terrible thing America did. You don't have to go too far back to America and, her, and, and she was defined by slavery. Come on. You can do some research on our own area. There was a hanging tree in Falk, at least the legend says. It was even in the Gazette at one time. Uh, A hanging tree. They built a road around it because it was so pronounced. I sure hope it's not true, but it could be true. Because if you just put those words on Google, you'll find a lot of black people. Come on. That were treated in a horrible, horrible way. I don't think our culture knows how to respond to the past injustice. How about the Japanese in the internment camps? In America. Not prisoners like were brought here from Germany in World War II, but I'm talking about Japanese citizens that were arrested in America after Pearl Harbor. I mean, how about the Hispanic people in the southwest? How about the Native Americans? I have a friend of mine. His name is American Horse. He's a, he's a, he's a leader in the American tribe. We helped him build a church on the reservation. They're still waiting for our government to give uh, South, North Dakota back to them because we broke a covenant. It's all, it's all around us, but our nation doesn't know how to deal with it today. Our president, when he wrote a book uh, several years ago, Dreams of My Father, he quoted his pastor of 20-some years, Reverend Wright, who said this, White folks' greed runs a world in need. Now, are there greedy white people? Absolutely. But some of the most generous people I've ever met happen to be white. The problem we get into is when we make broad generalizations about life. Have I got your attention? Let me something that I read this week. We don't, we don't know what to do with race in America today. We're hurt, we're shackled, and people earn their livings today fostering the racial pressures in America. you Ever heard of the knockout game? Let me tell you what it says. I just read this this week. It was shocking to me. The knockout, here's the rules for the game are simple. First, Start with a crowd of black people. And again, this is not all black people, but in this case. Find a white person, doesn't matter who it is, man or woman. Beat them until they're unconscious. Or until your arms or legs get tired. Repeat as desired. Some people keep score. Others yell knockout game and laugh. This has happened in the last three years 450 times in 85 American cities. It happened a few days ago on the campus of the University of Alabama and three players in the championship game had gone around campus to play the knockout game. Three huge football guys went to play. Now, Is this just black or is this just white or is this a confused nation that for some reason just keeps looking back and letting the anchor determine everything about our life and we don't know how to go forwards, and somebody else tells us to go over here and we'll be happy and then we try to go over here but it still has a shackle is it possible we'll never find answer to these issues in our government or in our culture but these answers should come from the people of God is it just possible that I can be a Jabez come on And I can put my foot up, whether I was molested or discriminated against or whatever, but I can just make a choice that whatever it takes for me to get this chain off, that I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to let God determine my future. I am not going to be defined as Benaiah, but I'm going to be Jabez, and I'm going to lift my hands to heaven, and I'm going to say, God, I'm hurting. I've been done wrong. Hitler took my family's property. But I just bless the German people and whoever lives in my granddaddy's house today. I bless them and I bless whoever farms that 300 acres. Is that possible? Would that produce a different America? I think it would. And you may be sitting and saying say, "Preacher, how can what you're saying be true? Listen, I'm going to close with this. I've been trying to tell you all morning my pain doesn't determine my future. God does. Ephesians 3.20 says this, With God's power working in us, God can do, say it with me, much, much much more than anything we ask or imagine. Maybe you know it this way, that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly, come on, above all we can ask or imagine, according to the power power that works in us. It is not just self-will... It is the power of the Holy Spirit that can make you free. It is the one that came to heal the brokenhearted that can heal your broken heart, that can use you to be healing in your neighborhood, healing in your school. Come on, healing to gangs, healing to the racial prejudice in America. I cannot control out there, but I tell you, I am proud to be a part of a church that's got red people, black people, yellow people, purple people, white people, all kinds of folks. Come on. I, I am proud to be a part of a church. When I see somebody different from me, I don't care if I'm in the grocery store, or the Walmart, or at the country club, that I can go up to them. Come on. And, and, and the culture is looking around me. And the culture is saying, how dare you associate with them? God bless you, brother, because the bonds of Christ, come on, are stronger than our race. They're stronger than our past. They're stronger than our socioeconomic status. Come on. It's the blood of Christ that can make us different. Well, look. We're going to close with prayer in a second, but I want to show you a little video. It was was captured when Pastor Rick Warren was invited to come on the Oprah show and teach Oprah a little biblical truth. And uh, he said, I'll come, but I want to bring somebody with me, and I want you to hear this testimony. Now listen, a man that was born with no arms and no legs. And if you can think about someone who had a right to look backwards, it'd be this guy. Listen to his testimony, and then we'll close with prayer. Wow, come on, give that brother a hand. Don't ever complain again. Now imagine if you're him. He doesn't have it, when he's born and young, he doesn't have that chain around his his leg. He's just all wrapped up in it. And how easy it would have been for him to just say, you know what? I can't get out of bed, I can't walk, I can't do anything in my life, just let me lay here and die and feed me and and make sure I get disability and and, and I'm not going to be happy because I'm never going to have anything or do anything in my life. Did you hear him say, a hundred million people have watched his YouTube when he gave testimony. How many millions of people were watching Oprah that day? Come on. And he didn't say, I did it because I pulled myself out my own bootstraps. He said, The Lord Jesus Christ, come on, set me free. And what he did for me, come on, he can do for you too. He could just get it off the stage of our life. So, here, here's my question to you today. Are you going to be shackled to your past? Or are you going to let your future be determined by God? We're just going to worship for just a moment. And just stay tuned in for just three, four more minutes, and we're going to pray. But I want to pray with you. And just invite the Holy Spirit to come and begin a healing process. Come on. That will take every chain off our lives. Just begin to sing it. And I'll let you be prayerful. Worship with us, whatever you like to do. And how does mercy come to me? Blood become my covering. I do not deserve these things. Love has done it. So I leave the God whose love delivered me. I magnify Christ, the coming King. Glorify the Lord who lifted me with his great love. Who cast my accuser down, trampled on my enemy, ransacked hell and took its keys. As you stand, let your declaration be God determines my future I'm I leaving my past behind Come Holy Spirit Christ of the redeemed I glorify the God who rescued me with his great love Arise and shine We pray Lord Rescue Thank you, God. Arise. Arise, oh God. And shine. Spirit, we're going to believe today that Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. And I'm going to pray over all my friends today, many of which hope has been awakened afresh, that Satan would not steal this word as the parable of the sower, but this seed is going to take root, and it's going to bear Jabez kind of fruit, that today begins a marked difference. Not only the way we feel, but the way we treat our enemies, the way we love people, the way we forgive, the way we turn justice over to God, the way we show kindness when other people are doing crazy things. Help us, Holy Spirit, to do this. We want to close the service today with an opportunity for personal prayer for you. We pray in every service because we believe in the power of God. We believe that God can touch a human heart as no other man can, and it happens in the place of prayer. We'll pray for anything going on in your world today. You brought a problem, a need to church, you want to turn it over to God or pray to God to help you, we'll pray. Most importantly, we'll pray if you're here this morning and you need to get right with God. I mean, there's no other need more important than a man or a woman who's saved, that their sins have been washed away, that they've committed their life to Christ. Maybe you're tired of the way you've been living. You're ready to get right with God maybe you came here this morning like a woman did last night said i just wanted to came and come and just see if if god was real if his presence was what people said it was and she left with a smile on her face and said god touched me today maybe you need to surrender your life to christ maybe you've walked with christ in the past but you've gotten away and today is a day i'm telling you friend your commitment can change your life but perhaps the most important thing that deals with this message maybe you're here today and this awakens something in you and you just want someone to pray with you that this doesn't leave you that you've tried to find healing and hadn't been able to do it and you want somebody to pray for you that God would help you with the next step or, or, or maybe you realize, let I mean, know Satan wants to keep us bound Satan wants us to move by feelings not by principles and truth maybe Satan keeps you down and it's a spiritual thing you need somebody to pray over you and take authority over that in the name of Jesus somebody will do that But here's a big one, too. When we're wronged, what we want is, we want the person to acknowledge it. We want the person who hurt us to say, I'm sorry about what I did to you. We want them to ask forgiveness. And that happens sometimes, but so often it doesn't. And we just let it keep going and going and going. You may never see that person again, or you may see them every day. But if you have a need, now listen, just to hear, I'm sorry that I hurt you. Would you allow our prayer team to kind of step in a role to represent the person that hurt you? And if in a very confidential way, if you'd like to say, so-and-so did this to me, and I've always longed for them to apologize, would you let that prayer person just say, on their behalf, I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And would you release them this morning? I'm telling you, something powerful can happen. So we're going to sing this song through another time and then we'll dismiss but whatever your need is this morning if you feel God pulling you through my words let me encourage you to come for prayer our prayer team is coming right now and let me encourage you to just slip right out with them as we worship the Lord something really big can happen in your life I'm gonna stand in faith believing come on let us pray with you this morning don't wait on somebody else don't let anything stop you I want God to help me with this issue of my life It'll happen, friends. I love you. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you.